by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Passion Church. On behalf of uh, Pastor Guy, our lead pastor, and everyone else in the church, thank you so much for being here this morning. We're happy to be worshiping God with you. My name is Nicholas Mitchell, and let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love being in this place. I thank you for your love, how you poured out your spirit and your life for all of us here. I thank you, Father God, that nobody would leave this place this morning without knowing your love in a deeper way than they have before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so today I'm going to spoil the whole message for you. We're talking about love. Okay? Loving like Jesus. You know, the world thinks they know what love is, but they know a counterfeit. The world's love is temporary. I can't tell you how many times one of my students comes in the classroom one day, oh, I love him so much. Oh, we stayed up all night on the phone talking. When I woke up in the morning, he was still there on the phone. We brushed our teeth together. And then the next day, next day they come in. They're like, man, forget that guy. I don't want no part of him anyways. That's not love. Love is unconditional. Love is forever. So today, we're going to attempt to begin to unpack, to start living and loving like Jesus instead of the way that the rest of the world says to love. So if you guys didn't get uh, one of these bulletins that when you came in, you just put your hand in the air and the ushers will bring you one right now. But we're going to look at our... So, ushers, we got a couple. Y'all bring them out. Uh, We're going to look. That's our first scripture verse that we're looking at today is Ephesians chapter 5. I'm actually going to begin one verse sooner than that in verse 1. It says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. So just like that song that we just sang with Pastor Chad, we give ourselves away for God to use us every day single piece of ourselves we're giving away to God. In verse 2 it says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So how did God love us? God sacrificed. God's love is a sacrificial love. And this is the kind of love that pleases God is when we choose to imitate our creator in everything that we do, like it says in verse one, and sacrifice ourselves, give everything away to God. That is how we please him. We need to lay down our lives just like Jesus did in John chapter 15, verse 13 says this, Therefore, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's no greater love than to give up your life for somebody else. When me and Joe were preaching in the jail last Sunday night, a gentleman came up to me after the service, an inmate, and he said, I'd like to tell you something. 
I said, okay, please. And he quoted the first half of this scripture verse, and he expected me to know the second half just because I'm a preacher. And I got away with it. I actually knew that verse. Uh, and, and he says, greater love has no man. And then I responded to him. And I completed the verse. I said to lay down his life for his friend. And the inmate looked at me and he said, that's exactly what you guys do for us every single week when you come down here. You could have been doing anything else and you gave up your life to come love on us. See, Jesus says true religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows to pray for those who are incarcerated without ceasing, not to forget them. So you can do the same thing. You don't have to go preach in the DeSoto County Jail on Sunday nights to give up your life to help somebody else. But I just want to use that as an encouragement. It encouraged me. I got to call Brother Joe up right after. We always call each other when we leave the jail and let each other know how it went on both sides of the jail. And I got to encourage him with it as well. So when you encourage one person, when you love on one person, that encouragement and that love is going to have a ripple effect. And it's going to go out to the other people in your community, the other, your friends, families, coworkers. Just one person making a change. I was in a meeting this week, and I heard about the rule of going second. The gift, the gift of going second. Have you ever noticed that it takes one person to make a change, and after one person stands up, other people are going to stand up? Okay? So you've seen it in church, right? The, the preacher will end and say, if anybody wants to give your life to Jesus, come forward. You might be sitting there for about 30 seconds. It's real awkward. Everybody's quiet. And then one person will stand up and walk to the front of the altar. And after that one person does it, 10 more people will come, right? So that's the gift of going second. You can give others this gift. You can give people sitting next to you right now. You can give your family and friends the gift of going second. You can be the first person in your sphere of influence to choose to say, hey, I'm going to start loving like Jesus. I'm going to start showing Jesus' love to others. You get to give them the gift of going second. So right now I work in the DeSoto County Schools. And what do I do in the DeSoto County Schools? From the first day I started working there, I tell the students about Jesus. I pray for the students. I tell the teachers about Jesus. I pray for the teachers. I do it in the hallways. I do it in the classroom. I do it everywhere. I got to give people the gift of going second because now people are coming in we're having multiple pastors coming to our school every single week, coming and talking to the students, coming and talking to the teachers. And people are walking up to them like, wow, how did this get started? What happened? We got to give people the gift of going second. When one person walks into their workplace and starts sharing Jesus' love, you're giving your coworkers permission to do it. Because now I have 10, 15, 20 coaches and teachers that are all doing the same thing. Now, this isn't a boast on me. I want you guys to understand that I'm a sinner just like anybody else. I'm the worst person in the world. I, I've done so much messed up stuff in my life. So much messed up stuff in my life. When Joe just came in here his very first Sunday morning seven years ago, right? He wasn't even trying to find Jesus. He just came into this sanctuary. When Pastor Guy came into this church, our pastor, when he came to this church for the first time, his marriage was on the fritz. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He was just trying to save his marriage. We're not perfect. We're not the ones up here doing this just because we're pastors and come because we're preachers. I was doing this long before I was a pastor or a preacher. Don't say, oh, Nick does that at the high school. He got an inroad. He got a Christian principal lesson. No, don't say that because guess what? 
The job before I worked at the high school, I did it there when I worked at Rite Aid. Guess what? The job before there, when I worked at Chick-fil-A, I wasn't saved when I first started working there. But I got saved when I was working there. And then I started doing it. And people at Chick-fil-A got mad at me. And they told me to stop doing it. So don't say, oh, no, he's doing that just because he's preaching. No, I'm doing that because I love Jesus. And if you're really in love with Jesus, you want other people to have that love. When you find something super exciting, you're going to go tell your friends about it, right? Like, oh, I found the best hamburger place. My favorite hamburger place. Wempy's in Olive Branch. It's amazing. Come eat a hamburger with me. It's so good. You're going to tell people about that really good hamburger. And you're going to bring them with you. Well, if a hamburger temporarily satisfies you, how much more does the love of Jesus eternally satisfy you? So to love like Jesus, we have to lay down our lives for others the same way that God laid down his life. And also we have to have unconditional love. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a very common passage that you've heard in church before as it relates to love. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So love is unconditional. That love I was sharing with you between two students where she loves him one day and the next day he's dead to her. That's not love. Love is unconditional. How patient has God been with you in your life? He's still patient with me. I still got things in my life that aren't right. None of us have reached that perfection yet. But God is patient and his love never gives up on you. His love never gives up on you. So if his love is patient, his love is enduring, his love never gives up on you, then your love needs to be the same way. That's how you can represent Jesus to others, is by your love never giving up. Additionally, God's love is forgiving. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, you were cleansed, from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Man, that sounds a whole lot different than the church love that I was taught. Because, man, I can come, oh, yeah, I love all you guys. I go to church with you, but I don't want to talk to her. I don't want her coming to my life group. I don't, I don't want to have to see her outside in public after church. That's not what it says in 1 Peter 1, It says you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all of your heart. So we can't just walk around and be like, oh, yeah, I love them, but I don't have to like them. That's not what it's saying right here in the word of God. Sincere love, deeply with all of your heart, forgiving each other. 
not holding a grudge. So I want us to ask ourselves right now, does God's love govern us? Does God's love determine how we love others? Does God's love determine how we live our lives? Is his love governing over us? Or do we choose to make our own decisions and call our own shots? Are we forgiving others the way Jesus forgives us? Unlimited forgiveness, no matter how many times they do it? Because he's doing that for you. It says in the word of God that if you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. That's all the convincing I need. I'm doing this for myself. I need Jesus in my life. I can't make it without him. So we need to love like Jesus. We need to lay down our lives the way that Jesus laid down his life for us. We need to lay down our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. We need to have unconditional love, patient love, enduring love, and we need to forgive others. So all this is good. We could talk about what I've said so far all day. We could talk about love. Not a single person in here would be mad at me. You know, nobody would feel convicted. It'd be awesome. Pat each other on the back and go have a nice lunch and just keep talking about love. But God doesn't want us to just talk about love. He wants us to put our love into action. He wants us to go out and do something and change the world and change the people around us. So in order for us to represent Jesus's love and put his love into action, number one, we just got to have kind words. We just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, that love is kind. You're not going to change anybody. You're not going to, well, you're not going to change anybody to begin with. We can't change people. But you're not going to make an impact on your environment. You're not going to make an impact in the people's lives around you if you're just not a kind person. If you're walking around being mean and grumpy all the time, nobody is going to want what you're selling. Nobody is going to want to hear the truth from you. So we just simply have to encourage people. We got to use words of kindness, words of encouragement. This opens the door to sharing deeper, more meaningful words, which are faith-building words, okay? But if you, if you don't have the courtesy of just being polite and being kind to people, they're never going to want to hear what you had to say, right? Because that's, that's a, an excuse that people use is, oh, no, I don't like Christians. You know, those Christians, they're always, they're always telling me what to do. They're always judging me, right? They're always judging me. Some, uh, we were having a, a really interesting conversation with a, a couple young people this week. And uh, one, of the, one of the ladies, when she found out about 15 minutes into this conversation that we were having in a group of friends, uh, when she found out I was a pastor, she's like, oh, man, I've been saying all this stuff in front of a pastor. It was like, it was some really, really funny out there stuff. And I was just enjoying the conversation. I wasn't saying anything. And she's like, man, I've been saying all this in front of a pastor. I said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. I said, I don't judge anybody. I don't judge anybody. And I didn't see, she knew. We had the law written in our hearts as human beings. She knew what she was saying was wrong. I didn't even have to tell her. She instantly knew what she was saying was wrong. And I never corrected her. I never told her the right thing. She already knows the right thing. It's not your job to walk around being the sin police. 
It's not your job to walk around telling people what to do and how to act and how to live. It's your job to love people and be kind and encourage them. Because once you're loving them and encouraging them, now that opens up the door. Now if she has a question or she goes through a hard time in her life, if something happens, if she has a loss in her life, if she's dealing with something, now she knows, she'll remember that conversation that I was nice and kind and polite, I wasn't judging her, and now she knows I'm somebody she can talk to. And I can use that moment to introduce her to Jesus. But she wasn't ready right then. But I could have ruined it before it ever even started without being kind and without being encouraging. So once we're kind and encouraging, now we got to use these faith-building words which I haven't gotten to use with this person yet, but hopefully I will someday soon. I pray in Jesus' name that she will be saved. And those faith-building words are simply just tell them about Jesus. Just tell them what you already know. I'm assuming most of you guys know John 3.16, right? Share that with them. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Share that with them. That God loves you so much. Now remember, we're, we're already being kind to him at this point, right? We're being kind. We're, we're loving people. We're not being mean. We're not being pushy. Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much. He sent Jesus to this earth, not only to die for your sins, but to live for you. Jesus came on this earth for 33 years. He went through so many trials, so many troubles. He was tempted the whole time on this earth. So if you're sitting here today and you're praying and hoping for your temptations to go away, I mean, you can pray that way. In the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But Jesus was tempted his whole time here. So you're going to be tempted, but you get to choose to say, hey, I'm not going to give in to those temptations anymore. I'm not going to fall to that anymore. I'm going to live for him the same way he lived for me. So Jesus lived on this earth for you. He died a cursed death. It says... In the first five books of the Old Testament, that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. So Jesus took that curse upon himself for you to not be cursed. Because the curse that all of us deserve is to die forever. To have an eternity separation from God. An eternal separation from God. Never to be with him again. We all deserve that. But Jesus chose to take that upon himself. To allow himself to be separated from God for three days. Resurrect again to live forever, rising out of that tomb on the third day. And if you believe that in your heart and you know that's true, you also get to resurrect as a new creation and live with God forever. You get to have eternal life. You don't have to die. You get to live with Jesus forever. See, these are faith-building words, but we got to be nice about it, right? We can't can't be telling, oh, I'm better than you because I know what's going to happen to me. Because people say that. People say, oh, there's no way that I can know what's going to happen to me when I die. Well, you sure can, because in 1 John chapter 5, it says that you can be confident and know that you have salvation. But you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to act like you're better than them just because you've read the Bible or you heard a sermon and you know the truth. No, be kind to them. Be loving and compassionate when you share these things with them. Another good uh, faith-building word to use with them is Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 and 10, it says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart 
that you're made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So I want to point something out there. It doesn't just say you got to believe. It says you got to say it out loud. So we got to use some of this kindness. We got to use some of these encouraging words. You got to use some of these faith building words and share your faith. You have to be willing to tell people, hey, I love Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And you just tell them what God has done in your life. I'll, I'll give you an example. So for me, um, when I was born, a year and a half after I was born, I had a rare form of kidney cancer called a Wilms tumor. And I was supposed to die. So I have a giant scar around my body now. They removed that kidney and took the cancer out of me. And then uh, when, I was, when I was young, when I was a teenager, I started doing a whole bunch of really stupid stuff. I started doing a lot of drugs. I started selling a lot of drugs. I started having a lot of sex. I started watching porn. I started doing all this terrible, messed up, evil stuff. But eventually, I hit rock bottom. I came to a place where I knew I wasn't man enough to do it on my own. I knew I wasn't strong enough. I knew I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. I tried everything. And it never worked. Finally, I chose to go to church on my own one day. I said, Mom, I'm finally going to go to church with you today. She didn't drag me there that day. I chose to go. There was a missionary, and she was giving her testimony about the first time she was ever baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she describes it just like Jesus describes it in the book of John. It feels like rivers of living water flowing through your veins. They said, if anybody wants to experience this, the best feeling you've ever experienced in your entire life, come to the front of the church. Well, I was such a junkie. I said, all right, sign me up. You're telling me this is going to feel better than all the drugs, all the alcohol, all at the same time. It's free. I can't catch any diseases. I won't go to jail. I won't get any preg- anybody pregnant. All right, sign me up. So I walked up to the front of the church, and they prayed for me, and I got filled with God's Holy Spirit. They said, just focus on God right now. Close your eyes. Put your hands in the air. Don't worry about anything else that's happening. And we're going to pray for you to receive God's Holy Spirit. You see, it says in John chapter 14, verse 17, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. See, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's talking to the believers, the Christians, his followers. He said, Holy Spirit is with you now and later he will be in you. See, I knew Jesus at a very young age. I followed God. I was praying for people when I was a little kid and they were being healed. That's nothing special about me. That's just what the scriptures say are true. When you go back up in 14 to verses 12, 13 and 14, it says you ask the father for anything in the son's name and it's going to happen. So when you pray for somebody to be healed according to God's will in Jesus name, they are going to be healed. See, I knew God. I knew Jesus. I was following him. I was saved at a very young age. I was baptized when I was a little kid. I was following God. But I had not yet been filled with his Holy Spirit. See, his Holy Spirit was with me. But it says in verse 17, later, he will be in you. So that's what happened when I got baptized in God's Holy Spirit. Is his spirit 
was actually in me. So you got to be kind to people. You got to be kind. See, if my mom wasn't kind to me all those years when I was causing my family all of that pain, doing all that messed up stuff, then I would have seen her as a judgmental, rude, mean Christian, and I wouldn't have ever wanted to go to church that day. You got to be kind to people so that they want Jesus. And how can we do this after, we, after we're kind to them and we share a little bit of our story with them and what Jesus has done in our life? Then we have to show them acts of love. It's not enough just to use our words and be kind and, and share faith-building words, but then we also have to show God's love through our actions. When we look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, it says this, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's real love. Real love is giving up your life for the people around you. Now, it's easy sometimes to do that for people close to us. I wouldn't even say it's easy to do that for people close to us. It's pretty hard. But we do it. Even though it's hard, we still give, you give up your life for your family members, right? It's hard to do, but you do it. What about everybody else? We got to give our life up for everybody else. All of our brothers and sisters. So we also ought to give, ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So I ask you this question. How are you expressing God's love to other people? How are you expressing God's love to others. Think about it. Because it's not just enough to walk around and say, oh yeah, I love people. I love Jesus. I love everybody. We got to prove it. We got to show kind words. We got to share faith building words. And then we got to do it by our actions. Look, a lot of people in this world can do really, really nice things. A lot of people in this world help people. When I was in college one time, uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop getting some work done, and I saw one of my classmates from college, and he was in there, and he was posting a flyer up on the wall. I said, hey, what are you doing? What's that flyer? He said, oh, I'm doing this fundraiser to help this charity. I said, oh, okay, cool. How are you involved in that? You know, Do you work in this charity? Do you know somebody that's affected by this? Are you involved with them? He's like, no, I just want to do something good. See, anybody can do something good, but you have to do something good in the name of Jesus. Because everybody, oh, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? I see non-Christians doing good things. I see them helping people. So if you're walking around helping people and you're not doing it in Jesus' name, you're just another person. They're not getting the love of God from you. They don't know that you're a Christian. So you have to do it in Jesus' name as you're being kind, as you're building people up in their faith, telling them about Jesus, also go out and help them physically. Give them food. Give them shelter. Take care of them. So how are you expressing God's love to others? So when we're doing all these things, 
We're loving like Jesus, laying down our lives, sacrificially loving like Jesus loved us, having an unconditional love, forgiving people, being kind, being patient, putting our love into action through kind words and through faith-building words and showing acts of love. This is going to fashion us into being servants like Jesus, into being loving servants, looking out for the interests of others. So when we look in 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 8, it says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. We were called to serve people. Serving isn't something easy. Why do you think servers get paid? Why do waiters and waitresses, people in the service industry get paid? It's not something easy. Why do you think it's something people try to graduate out of and get a better job? It's hard to do. Right? Why were people not willingly servants? Right? People didn't volunteer. Hey, I'll be a slave. It's not something that's fun to do. But we have to do it. We have to choose to serve like Jesus because Jesus served. Jesus served everybody as an example to us. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do. He could have ruled with an iron fist and told people the way it was. But he chose to come in love and compassion and serve and help. I'm not better than Jesus. So I'm sure not going to try to just forcibly get people to do something. I'm going to serve them and love them and help them. When we have this love, is going to empower our humility. You got to be humble to serve. A lot of people want to be the boss. A lot of people want to be the famous one, call the shots. It takes a lot of humility to say, no, I'm just going to serve like Jesus served. I don't need the recognition, right? I don't need the money. I'm just going to live for Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, if you put yourself all the way up at the top, there's nowhere to go but down. You're walking around, you say, man, I'm the bee's knees. I'm the cat's pajamas. I'm the best thing there is, right? All that can happen is you can be brought down. But if you humble yourself and you say, man, I'm nothing. The only reason I have anything in this world right now is because of what God has done in my life. Then God is going to lift you up because he knows that you're going to maintain that humility and you're going to continue to spread his love to others. Jesus doesn't need people who are going to be exalting themselves. He needs people who are going to be exalting him. So humble yourself. Don't think of yourself as better than you are. Don't think of yourself as better than other people. Continue to serve people. And to love people. It says, I'll show you a really humbling verse that most of you know, Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's a humbling verse. You don't live up to God's standards. 
you're not good enough for God's glory. That should humble you. You're nothing without God. We can't live up to his standards. For all have sinned. All of us have messed up and fallen short of God's standards. But see, when we have this humility, that's going to enable us to serve. Because it's not by your power. It's not by your strength that you're out here loving people. And you're out here living for Jesus. It's by God's spirit. So then when you go to Romans 6.23, another common verse, it says... For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So either you humble yourself, right? You know you're not good enough. You know you've messed up. You can never live up to God's standards, but you still get that eternal life with him. You still get to be called his son and his daughter. You still get brought in to God's family, brought in to God's presence. So when you're humble, it enables you to serve. Your humility enables you to serve. So are you humble in every area of your life? Or do you walk and you say, well, at least I'm not caught up in what she's caught up in, right? Or I'm, I'm doing way better than he's doing. I might not read my Bible every day, but I'm not doing all that. Humble yourself before God. Because if you're lifting yourself up, you're just going to be torn down. And then, our final scripture that I'm going to leave you with, Matthew chapter 25. What's happening in Matthew chapter 25 in the last portion of the chapter, verse 31 through 46, is, is uh, the end times are coming. And Jesus is judging people. And he's deciding who's going to enter into an eternity with him and who's going to enter into an eternal separation apart from him. And so he's got everybody gathered up and he's got people gathered into two different groups, the sheep and the goats. And it says in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then we skip down to verse 40, and everybody's saying, Lord, when have we ever done those things for you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So when we love other people, we're loving Jesus. When we serve other people, we're serving Jesus. Then the king looked at those on the left. He said, get away from me. You're going to spend an eternity apart from God because you didn't do those things. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't clothe me when I was cold. 
You didn't visit me when I was in prison. And they will go into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. So see, maybe you're thinking, oh man, I sat on the wrong side of the sanctuary today. (laughs) You might be sitting on the right and you're like, whoo, I deserve to be over there on the left. You might be on the left. You're like, oh, I know I'm living with Jesus. I should be over there on the right. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus came for you. So you don't have to be that person sitting on the left. You don't have to be among the goats. You can choose to say, hey, I'm going to live out this love that God has put inside of me. I'm not going to keep it for myself. I'm going to share it with other people. I know that when I get there, when I get there, when I encounter Jesus face to face, and it's my time to spend an eternity with him in heaven, that he's going to say, come on in. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with what you've done. You are faithful with what I gave you. But see, not to make it sound like a works-based faith, because I told you that people who aren't even Christians can do good things, right? It also says in the Gospels that when we get to those last days, and when people are sitting at the gates of heaven, trying to get in, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We told people all about you. We lived so good for you. We went out and we loved everybody. And Jesus is going to say, get away from me, you who do evil. Because you honor me with your lips, but your hearts were far from me. See, it's not just about the lip service. It's not just about being kind with your words. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, it's all a waste. Only you know your heart. Only you and God know your heart. I don't know your heart. We can see each other. We know each other. We know who's on this team by the fruits that they bear. We know if you're out there doing good things. We know if you're out there living for Jesus and loving Jesus and loving others. But it doesn't matter if your heart's not in it. Your personal relationship with Jesus has to come first. Because there's so many people that have been so big in the Christian faith. And then they've fallen away. Because their heart wasn't in it. Don't let that be you. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep your relationship with Jesus first. Call out to him every day. Say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need more of you. I want everyone to begin to acknowledge and allow God's love to change your attitude and your actions. Say, Lord, I need your love inside of me, in every part of my life, in my heart, Lord. Alter my heart. Let me live for you. Let me love for you. And I'd ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their head. If there's anybody in here today that says, man, I do not have this love of Jesus in my heart. I don't know what would happen when I get there in those end days. If you say, hey, I need Jesus in my life. And I would just ask you, like we read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your lips that you are saved. So as a sign of confession, of showing that you want Jesus in your heart, I just ask you to raise your hand right now when everyone's eyes are closed. I'm not going to call you up here or anything, but if you raise your hand, thank you, I see those hands, you can put them down. Say, man, I need Jesus in my life. 
forever. So now as everyone keeps their eyes closed, we're going to pray with our brothers and sisters who just raised their hands and made that confession saying, man, I want God in my life. I want to live for him. And I'd ask the rest of the church to help us and repeat after me in this prayer to support your brothers and sisters. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me right now. Lord, help me to follow you and live for you with every part of every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing our brothers and sisters into your home today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing our brothers and sisters and choosing to dwell inside of them. See, if you ask Jesus to be in your heart, if you asked him 50 years ago or if you asked him today or anywhere in between, it doesn't, or maybe more than 50 years ago, I don't know. Um, if you ask Jesus to be in your heart, God's spirit is inside of you. As a matter of fact, anything that was ever created that has life has God's spirit in them because there is no life apart from God. God breathed his breath of life into us when he created us. But then if you ask Jesus into your heart, you now have God's spirit in you in a different way. And as I was reading to you in John chapter 14, verse 17, just a moment ago, it said, Jesus was talking to the disciples, remember, and he said, Holy Spirit is with you now, and later he will be in you. Well, let's discover what that means just a little bit. It says in Acts chapter 19, Paul's walking around. He's a missionary. He's out telling people about Jesus. And it says, while Apollos was in Corinth in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. What's a synonym for a believer? A child of God, a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, okay? So Paul found several Christians. And then in verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So remember, Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 17, Holy Spirit is with you now, and later he will be in you. And when you ask Jesus into your heart, you have God's spirit in you. But these people were Christians, and they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. In verse 3, then what baptism did you experience, Paul asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. So they were baptized in water, just like I was baptized in water when I was a little kid. How old was I when I was baptized? Seven years old, eight years old. I was baptized in water when I was a little kid. But I was not baptized in God's spirit until I was 21 years old. I went 11 years baptized in water. And I had never been baptized in God's spirit. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. 
See, John baptized in water. But Jesus came and he baptized in the spirit and in fire. So who bears the greater gift? Who is more important, the messenger or the king? See, John was the messenger. He was preparing the way for the king, Jesus, coming, who was bringing Holy Spirit. So John was baptizing people in water because he was a man. Men can do that. Men can baptize people in water. But only God, only Jesus, was able to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So there's 12 guys. They never even heard there was a Holy Spirit, but they were Christians. And then when Paul prayed for them, he laid his hand on them. They got filled with God's Holy Spirit. Why am I sharing this with you today? Because this is what revolutionized my life. When I was a kid, I was raised in church. I knew about Jesus. I was in Sunday school. My parents had the Bible studies in their house every week. I knew all about it. But I didn't know God. I didn't know God for myself. I didn't have proof that he was real until I got filled with his Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if you're sitting here today and we're talking about love, you say, man, that sounds good, but I can never go out there and love people like that. I like those first three points of the sermon where, you know, he was just talking about like, you know, give, give up your, I don't even remember my own first three points. Let's remind everybody, lay down your, lay down your life like Jesus did. Have an unconditional love. Have a forgiving love. I, I, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. But then when you get into the, all the go out and be kind to people, go give faith-building words, go show God's love in action, be a servant, humble yourself, spread the love of Jesus to everybody. You're like, man, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. Because I can't either. Nobody can. You can't do it out of your own might. But with the power of of Holy Spirit inside of you, you are able to do things that you never would have been able to do on your own. There was a period of my life when I was a teenager and I hardly said a word to anybody for a couple years. I didn't talk. I didn't talk for a couple years. So on my own strength, on my own power, I can't stand here. I can't speak God's words. I can't be a teacher every day and teach students about science can't do that. But the power of Holy Spirit in me gives the ability for me to be a witness because it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So you might be saying, man, that love stuff, that sounds good. That sounds great. I know I'm saved. I know I got God's spirit in me, but I don't know what you're talking about right now. I've never been filled with God's Holy Spirit. Then I'd ask everyone to close their eyes again and bow their heads. Everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. And now if you're saying, hey, 
I've never been filled with God's Holy Spirit. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I love Jesus. I want to love others the way that Jesus loves me. But I don't have that Holy Spirit power inside of me. I've been, I might have been baptized in water. I might not have been baptized in water. But I know I've never been baptized in God's Spirit. Then I'd ask you to walk up to the front right now. And we're going to pray for you. As everybody keeps their eyes closed. And their head bows. If there's anyone in here today that says, man, I've never been filled with God's Holy Spirit. I just ask you to come forward and we're going to pray for you right now. Thank you, Lord. If you have been baptized in God's Holy Spirit, just pray right where you are. It says in the book of Joel that in the last day, God will pour his spirit out upon all men. That your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. God is pouring his spirit out upon all men today. And you get to choose to say, hey, I want the power of the living God inside of me. I know I'm not strong enough to do it myself. I know I'm not good enough. I know I'm not smart enough. I need God inside of me. And if you still think that when you go home today, I just want to encourage you. Wherever you are in your house, say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need more of you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then Brother Joe is going to come speak to us. Father, I thank you so much for every person in this place today. I thank you, Lord, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the ability, you would give us your spirit to walk out in your love every single day. That we would love others the way that you loved us, Lord. That we would love like Jesus, that we would be kind and patient and forgiving. I thank you, Father God, that we would love with our actions, that we would serve the way that you serve, that we would humble ourselves before you. I thank you that every person who leaves here today would choose to walk in your love every single minute of every single day and not forget what you have done for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.